Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, hosted by MC8 and Big Steel. It's every Thursday, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood sub-genres, Gangster Rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart. And I'm very forgiving, but like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Yo, Blue Light Care Podcast, man. Special guest in here, my guy, Victor Burnett. Yes, sir. Yes, okay, sir. Victor Ruler is here, man. What's Absolutely. good, bro? Welcome. Appreciate you for having me. For people who don't know, um, you are, you manage Blast. Uh huh. You're, are you like the CEO of Eagle? I'm the president. The president of yeah. Eagle. Yeah, um, so we're business partners. We own Eagle together. Yeah. So first of all, congrats on like an amazing last year and a half or so. Like, I feel like, you know, Blast went from being like LA's best kept secret um, <laughs> to being the, I mean, one of the biggest artists in the country. Yeah. Um, you guys just hit number one on two two formats at radio. Like, right. Um, kind of take me back to the beginning, though. How did you get? Involved with Blast because, like I said, he's been around for like people act like he's yeah. like a new artist, but he's really not. Yeah, he's been around for a minute. I mean, me honestly, I didn't know Blast when like until like 2017 because mm-hmm. I was in college. So I went to University of Washington, so I moved to Seattle and I'm going to grad school. Is that the Huskies? Yep. And then I played football there, and then I ended up going to grad school at Southern Illinois. So I went to Illinois after that. So Jesus. I was gone for like six years. A lot of school. What were you going to school for? So I got a bachelor's in journalism advertising, and I got a bachelor's in psychology, and then I went to grad school for PR and media development. So yeah, a combination of all that. And so you're just a one-stop shop if I need a shrink and a PR guy. Exactly. Exactly. That. Exactly. But, yeah, so, I mean, um, when I moved back home from college, I started working for Benny Boom. Mm-hmm. And then so I was working at their production studio in Culver Legendary City. video director. Mm-hmm. So I had really started working, like, on the post-production part of the Tupac movie. So yeah. I was doing a lot of, like, merchandise design, product development for them. Because right, right, I was, right. like, that's what I was, like, doing internships for in college. Um and then really just kind of like transitioning and doing a bunch of stuff in the company. And they ended up letting me, after I worked with, uh, I did some stuff for Dame Dash too, like Dame Dash Studios, because we we're doing like the back end, all the internet digital distribution. Mm. So doing merchandise production with him too, with like the CEO brand, the wine and the whiskey. Well, we were um, just over there uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I said. <laughs> yeah, he was, uh, he, he was jamming out and we were on shrooms. and. Okay, that's crazy. It was, I mean, it was a whoa, vibe. Whoa, you took shrooms with Dame Dash? Yes. That's wild. It was he was like, I was like, of course, let's go. Yeah. And and that's you did the podcast on Shrooms? Yes. 
A thousand percent. Well, I got to go back and watch that again because I'm like, that's different perspective. One million percent. At the end, I kind of alluded to it and he was like, yeah, don't say it, you know, because it's technically illegal. I was like, well, look, I took shrooms. Yeah. I don't know what he did. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, so with the, with, after the Dame Dash situation, I pretty much took over the product merchandising department at their production company. At Dame's? Uh, or at nah, Benny Boom? At Benny Boom. Benny Boom shit. Okay. Benny Boom's, yep. And so um, I convinced him to let me like, take over the studio and like manage a studio on the facility it was already like a podcast room mm-hmm. but me and my boy was already interning there so we, i'm like let's just have them build the studio and put the actual equipment in here for us to like run it up right so they shot they, they shot us a lot and let us do that and then pretty much i was doing like consultations with with independent artists on teaching them how to monetize content mm-hmm. and teaching them like digital distribution platforms and how to do it at what time to do it, how to like pretty much beat the algorithm as an independent artist. So I was charging for that. Then I added on the studio services to that. And so um, eventually I met Blast and Jason Cash on the same day. Actually, Shout out to both so, of them. Yeah, shout out to both of them. So they both pulled up to the studio with... The actor that played Tupac, Demetrius Ship. Yep. D Ship. So, Shout out D Ship. Yep. yep. So Ship, he plays the piano as well. So it was pretty much all just coming up to use the studio to start making music. So I got introduced to all well both of those two at the same time. And then really I took a liking to both their music, to be honest with you. Um, but Blast was the one actually consistently renting the studio off from me. Mm-hmm. And so like you know, Blast is pretty much like a man of little words. So one day I just knocked on the door, it was like, bro rent the studio from me like five times and they said shit like what are you doing in here right right right, right. so he playing me music he played me savage first mm-hmm. and i was like without being though that's before i even knew Bino. Mm-hmm. so play me that play me a couple other songs play me some videos so i started asking questions like who produced it he's like me <laughs> every like, answer was me <laughs> every answer was me from production graphic design post-production on the video merchandise whole vision i'm like fuck i'm like but why are you in the why are you in this gray space? Like what what is it that you actually missing? And then so we just started having a conversation and I was just like, Well, this is what I do, this is what I went to school for, I'll do it for free for you just to see if you like what it is that I'm actually mm-hmm. trying to teach. And then if it worked, let's just keep applying it. So I just started off doing like marketing, marketing campaigns, rollouts, like hand to hand stuff with consumers. Um and then taking over the merchandise and then we just kept working, helping on videos, helping doing creative. And then one day we went to the studio. He just like, you should be my manager. Like just randomly. Uh, and then from Was there, this prior to the first six tape? Or yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Okay. So it's all prior to the first six tape. Um, this is probably like six months before that. Mm. So, yeah. So I was working with him for a whole year and some change before I even became his manager. Um, so, yeah. You know, just like the dedication and the day-to-day grind. We was together every day. We were just starting to be together every day. And it was in a lot of like having a lot of business conversations. Um, and then yes, you know his musical talent is, and then added with my natural business acumen and then like the shit I went to school for and studying all that type of stuff came together and it was like baking soda and vinegar. Yo, it's crazy because like you went to school for all of so much different things. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of that you ended up applying to what you're doing now. For sure, because a lot of people are like, well, you know, if you want to be in the music industry, you really don't got to go to school. But like, I feel like a lot of people who do go to school. It ends up helping them out. Yeah. Because there's so much you can apply to any sort of situation, I'm sure. 100%. Right? Um, the psychology part first is just like just understanding people and understanding yeah. how to move in different rooms and just understanding how to switch faces, being in different places, whether it's in the streets, whether it's in a boardroom, whether it's in a classroom. 
So that that really helped me out a lot, just being able to speak the language of a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. Um, journalism perspective, like just getting like write-ups and shit done early right. on, one sheets and understanding how to put that in format. And then shit, the PR part, it just speaks for course, itself of for course. real. Like yeah, I just understood the back yeah. end of, of marketing. So, and that was around the time where Instagram started to actually develop an algorithm mm-hmm. when I was in college. So it wasn't really a algorithm yet, but that was what they were teaching us in class. So it was like, I was just learning it so fast early on, not knowing that the music shit was going to be able to be applied to it. Down you mentioned Blast being in like kind of a gray space prior, which I feel like a lot of artists that we, we both might know, or there's a lot of artists out there mm-hmm. that are really talented that might be kind of wrapped up in that gray space. What is like advice you would give to somebody who has all of the tools necessary to make this shit mm-hmm. work, but just really can't get over the hump. Maybe should build a great team. Cause I mean it's not it's not just me and Blast like I'd of be course. crazy to say it's just me and Blast like we still got four employees on full payroll. Well, so early on it was just you two though. Well, early on it was just us two. I mean, and we had videographer, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So they were, he was trailing us and then taking all the pictures and all the the BTS. Right. Um, but I think right after, probably like a little bit after that first six tape, that's when we actually nah. Actually, during the first six tape, that's when we started hiring people. So we made like our first hire. Her name is Allison. So mm-hmm. she's our general manager, and she's our she's a blast tour manager too. So, but same time, everybody is like super qualified. Like Allison went to school and got a degree in music business and audio engineering. Wow! So she qualified to have these audio conversations on stage as a tour manager, mm-hmm. and then she's also qualified to you know have those first conversations, run the email, right? Be the first responder when it's talking about actual business logistics. So you know that's and that's really like a constant theme throughout the whole company. Like everybody is highly qualified for the job they do. But I would say the same thing for an artist. I send that position like. I mean, obviously, I don't. I'm really a proponent of like you don't really need a manager till you got some shit to manage. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're not overwhelmed with shit, you, you really don't need a yourself. manager at that point. You know what I mean? You just really need somebody to actually help you probably funnel your ideas mm. and actually like get to the point because you can only be one place at one time. So if you want to be in a studio, you may need somebody to help you make the merch, do the creative on that. Because Blast is really an anomaly when it comes to doing all that shit. I really just like... Yeah, it's really just him and, like, I mean, Russ, I guess, was similar. But, I, I mean, I don't think like Russ Tyler was... Tyler, the creator. Tyler. But, so, yeah, I mean, just, like, in terms of, like, engineering yourself. Yeah, but I don't even think beat. they do graphics, stuff. Though, I was going like, to say, the one thing... I'm not sure Russ is making his own... Photo. Yeah. I don't think he's photoshopping shit. Bro, we went on, we went on tour <laughs> for this, uh, this tour in September. First city was Seattle. So, you know, they got show graphics and shit on the yeah, background. Yeah. So, Blast was like, I'm not happy with the graphic that, like, the graphic designer delivered me. So, I'm just about to chill today. Literally spent 14 hours in a hotel making this whole show graphic for the concert. Wow. So, it was like an hour and a half reel of a whole bunch of shit going. But he created that himself. You're talking about what's going on behind him exactly. while he's performing? He, he made that himself. He made all that shit. So it's just like, for me, you know, it's like a cheat code at the end of the day. It's like, you don't, you don't really got to outsource that much. Like, and you save of, money. Facts. It's the definition of vertical integration. Like, all money in, for sure. You really don't got to spend. I mean, our marketing budgets be so low just because we don't got to outsource for engineers. Mm-hmm. We don't got to outsource for graphic artists, motion graphic artists. So it just gives us a lot of time to work with capital and actually distribute it how we want to, opposed to being like, we being spread thin because we got to pay all these people to do a job. Yeah, I think... 
it's I mean it's a it's a nice convenient thing to have in your pocket because most artists sure. everything has a a bill uh, uh, attached to it, for sure a, a recoupable bill yeah recoupable so bill for sure. that thing going on behind Blast's head <laughs> you know most artists probably pay someone fifteen hundred dollars for some shit like no, that that's like fifteen thousand that's fucking crazy it's crazy people are getting over on motherfuckers out here definitely sure. that's definitely. a lot of money but it's shit that tedious work people don't want to do so they be like I'm about to whoop you over the head for it yo that's crazy and so when you guys uh, obviously. You know, I feel like there was like a, a real, real organic buzz about Blast. Like I had heard about Blast before Six Tape because, you know, obviously I did this show with Head and mm-hmm. Head's been a huge proponent of Blast since forever, him and Salas. Um, and uh, so I was kind of already hip to like, you know, his talents. And, you know, Head was like, yo, you don't like this dude does it all. Like makes the beat, records himself. And, yeah. and um, so I remember when Six Tape first came out, Talking to my guy Buys, who was working Bino over at Def Jam, and like everyone was like, "Yo, Bino." I mean, obviously, I love Bino, but everyone was like, "Yo, but the Blast guy is also like that guy too." Like, you know what I'm saying? And and I think that um, that was kind of the beginning. I feel like where like a lot of discussions were being had. But like, what what I feel like you guys probably and actually I kind of know inside information that you guys had a lot of situations on the table. Mm-hmm. What was it about Red Bull music? Because that caught a lot of people off guard. Yeah. What was it about the Red Bull situation that you guys were like, this fits? Because it obviously worked. It was the first time. You guys are the first people to make yeah. that work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the hip hop space. For yeah, sure. For sure. For sure. Um, it was a combination of a couple of things, right? Like, we understood what we wanted from a business aspect. Like, if you look at Eagle, you could take, like, All Money In, OPM, mm-hmm. uh, a TDE, and somebody's formula, like an E40. And just combine all those together. And we just understood, like, one, ownership, because Blast was a producer as well. So we were already doing so much money in merch, and he was already doing enough money on DistroKid from his production catalog and his artist catalog that it was like, we ain't got to take $20,000 right now because the nigga can make $20,000 in a month just off his natural services that he mm-hmm. does as a creator. Right. So that was how we first stepped in the room. Two, like I said, like most people don't expect somebody to come in there and have an educational conversation, like especially like a young black dude that's right. under 30 and has never worked in music before because I never worked in music before Blast. So me having these conversations were like super raw mm-hmm. anyway. But shout out to our lawyer. Our lawyer is 29 too. And so he professor at Drexel University, got a sports firm, got his own law shit. firm, all that shit. So can we get like, can we get the lawyer? Can we get a name drop on the lawyer? Carl Folks, for Shout sure. Shout out to your Carl lawyer. Carl Folks. Shout out to the lawyer. So I mean, just with us three walking in the building together, it's kind of like you really cross all the T's and dot all the I's with that. Cause it's like you got your legal assistance right mm-hmm. there. Then you got me who actually understands like business structure, business development. And then we came with an actual staff, with an actual vision, with a brand, with color schemes, with already visuals put mm-hmm. out. So I already know when you come to the table with that much, it's really not much you can really give us in that space. It's more so just like what you can throw, what gas you could throw in the flame that's already kind of like heating up. But overall, I just understood Red Bull is a privately owned company. Mm. So they like they're not on the stock market, which means that if they gross in four billion dollars a year, that means they're doing something right. Mm. But lastly, I did my my senior dissertation on Red Bull. Cause I wrote my paper on vertical integration and Red Bull is a marketing company to start off. It wasn't an energy drink. So that's where you see all these advertisements, all these events and all that type of stuff. It just sources from them being a marketing company. So me writing that paper, I already understood too, like we can make so much money that's non-recoupable 
that is like we'll make more money in non recoupable funds than advances mm. just because Red Bull got so much stuff, i.e. the F ones. Um, the events, the extreme sports games, the skydiving, all that different stuff. The, the air, they have the airplane shit. They got all yeah, kinds everything. of shit. So yeah. we, we get so much money off of sync plays from internal Red Bull sources that it's like we can make so much money and just keep recouping every advance by just deferring the, the uh, appearance fees we're getting. So the way that we can cr- like cross-collateralizing most of the time is like negative because it's like most people go in the hole from cross-collateralizing, whether it be like a producer cross-collateralized with an artist mm-hmm. or however it goes. But in this sense, we crossing over between Red Bull Music, Red Bull Culture Team, Red Bull Extreme Sports, and we going through all these different facets of Red Bull, and we get money with these different divisions, but all these different places got their own CEOs. You know what I'm saying? They all their own different branches of Red Bull. All this shit is not under one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just with breaking the artists and understanding creativity and understanding that Blast was like a super creative artist on top of everything, I was just like, bro, you really need to go somewhere where somebody can, like, tap into your talents and actually bring your talents out. Like, have you designed some shit for the F1 Speedway to where that shit gets featured and then you get a royalty off all this merch that's sold worldwide. Wow. So, just that type of thingy. So... Because when we think of like the traditional record deal, right? Like most artists would come off the street, take a as big of an advance as they can get, right? But then, you know, two years later, they complain they've never seen a check off of music. Well, it's because you've right. never recouped, right? So when you guys went to Red Bull, you figured out kind of a life hack. If we go to Red Bull, we can get so much money within Red Bull that we don't have to really ever worry about. Yeah. And you know, I take a crazy advance up front because you know, like. Like you said, you were in a position where he was making so much money off Distro Kid and. You know, a lot yep. of people go for that first. They want the bigger advance, but it's like if you don't need the advance, why yeah. take it? It's a shitty I mean, loan, right? Honestly, bro, it's just like it's a precedent we ought to set for real, for real. Because I mean, it's saying it's deeper than rap is kind of cliche, but it's really deeper than rap, though. You know, because we already just seen the people go be superstars, but then have nothing at the end. You know, I mean, Meek Mill just complained about this. I mean, a lot yeah. of people who we look at like not a hundred percent. A lot yeah. of our favorite people are like aren't seeing money off their. They're, exactly They gotta stretch that check But which is why They damn near be killing themselves Over doing so many shows And being on the road so much To see that upfront ticket sale You know what I mean So it's just like I already knew You don't wanna stretch yourself out With anything you do So however you can create fillers In between the times That you wanna take breaks Throughout creativity Okay what is the best avenue To be able to do that So not having to take a crazy advance, but still being able to make six figures plus just on outside entities within the company is like, oh, that's guaranteed checks I'm going to get just because I'm doing business with the companies and they best favor to make me happy and vice versa. Mm. So, you know, it's just I think that uh, I told the people at Red Bull when we signed, I was like, really, pretty much this is us being the cool kids coming to sit with the nerds and making the nerds popular. And I'm like, but it's mutually beneficial because the nerds got the answers to all the tests. Mm. So I'm like, I'm not tripping off kicking it with the nerds because I see the mutual beneficiary part of the whole thing. Also, too, I think you guys are in a great position, too, where it's like Red Bull is, I'm sure their music division doesn't have to make money. Because they have so much other shit going on. Yeah, I mean, it's damn near like a guinea pig. I, That's I, what I'm I saying. It's like, like it's like started that. You know what I mean? Like, like it's like it's like when we think of Red Bull. Like the eleventh thing we probably think about is the fact. Oh, they put music out too. Yeah, but I mean, just to know they got rock bands going platinum all the time. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So yeah, yeah. so it's like they got a band called Beartooth, and they got these girls called the Aces. Like they both go crazy. Um, they sell out crazy product, crazy merchandising, like them type of deals. 
is like really what like entices me because I already know, bro. You don't really you make pennies on a dollar on music. You feel me? Even if you got a very favorable deal, it's just like streams just don't pay you that much for you to sit there and be like, I can make all my money off that. So it's like I believe in physical product and actual. You know, branching out and investing his actual money we got going on and different shit that's gonna make us way more money. So, grand scheme of things, it's like, yeah, we just decided to take the steps over the elevator for real, for real. Mm. Cause we could have jumped it so many times. We had crazy outlandish offers on the table, you know? I heard. But it's just like, shit, you know, we know what we want and we know how we wanna move and we understand it's like, okay, the same amount of money if we get this lump sum. We understand music math, and I think that's a big problem. Like, a lot of people don't understand music math and how that actually works. Because it's like, even if you got a 50-50 deal, you got to make double what you what you uh, got given to even make your recoupment back. So it's like, and that's a 50-50. So I think if you got less than 50%, you're fucked. You're fucked. Yeah. You feel me? So, but having those just small nuances and having that intelligence behind that part, I think that help us navigate a lot just through this whole. Talk story. about music math because I, I tr- we talk about it a lot on the podcast. Where I try to tell people like, hey, look, if you take a let's say a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and you have a 50 50 is an easy number for yeah. you to understand. Yeah, right. When your money comes in for your music, the money, the balance that you owe, only f- they're they're advancing you money on your half of the of the bread, exactly. right? Exactly. So, like you said, you have to make two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. To be to, just to, to get not, back right to, to get back even, but the fucked up part is like, even though you done made your two hundred thousand back, you done already made them two hundred thousand too. Yeah, they're so making they money. really made a they're, half a million before you even before seen you anything. see anything. So it's just like understand, and then you think about taxes, taxes. I mean, and then think about most deals. Yeah, a favorable deal would be like getting thirteen or fifteen points off your music if you're in a major situation. So yeah. then, then let your mind wrap around how much of a fucking shitty Bro, situation that it's is. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But you know, it's some people just don't give a fuck. Yeah, like like you know, me and Head during the pandemic, we we had YG on, and he said he had never seen a Def Jam Def Jam check like off of his music. Like he said this during an interview. Yeah, so no, not, I remember this. I remember I'm not this. speaking on anything that he. he no, I seen he, it. I seen it for sure. And. uh it's like, yeah, well, you know, at the end of the day, like you take that 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 every time you drop an album, if it's a check associated with that, like, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's the money you take in the front. I mean, I had an artist ask me yesterday, like, how do I not be bitter about this stuff? And I was honestly just like, you just got to take ownership of where you at with it and where you signed your name on the dotted line because it's like you can you sign the deal right like you can kick and fight all you want to but you had ample chance to like review this take it to whoever else you wanted to review it and then you made your decision it's but, not people don't want the slow steady check nah, they want that upfront nut yeah because they want to get they want to be a part of like the smoke and mirror shit yeah you know and it's I mean? like wouldn't you rather have like 15 grand a month <laughs> bro but when i fi- i figured out like all this shit is smoking mirrors at the end of the day because me, I, I also used to design all the clothes for like all the V Live strip clubs and shit because that was like a contract they had through Benny Boom. Like, really? They was getting all the merchandise. There production. was a V Live in Phoenix. Yep, V Live in Phoenix. The one out here, I used to make all the shirts, hoodies, like yeah. all the shit for them. So, the place was a death trap. <laughs> so, even going to V Live, right? I'm noticing like, I'm seeing the artists do walkthroughs and I'm seeing the manager come collect the back end and they also getting. Five, seven thousand of ones though. Are just complimentary ones that throw back to the house. So it's like in your mind, you like, oh, okay, you trying to compete. Like they got the street dudes competing with the rappers, trying to see who can buy more bottles, who could throw more money. When it's like so, so you're saying the back end would include your actual back end and then the club would be like, 
here's some money as well to throw. Exactly. It's just because it's going to come. They just say you got to throw it all though. Yeah. So it's going to come right back to the house. It's right. just going to entice everybody else to feel like, oh, such and such is in here blowing the bags. Now the dope so dealers, the dope boys. Everybody else blow a bag. Y'all go buy the bottles. Yeah. Right. So on one side, it's comped. On the other side, it's like you spending your money. So. When it comes down to that and understanding like tax write offs, all that type of shit, like how to write off jewelry, it become a whole different ball game when you understand that rather than you just being like, I just want to spend my cash right now for it. Yeah, I think uh, the tax write off thing is how, how do you write off jewelry? Give, give us, g- help us understand that. Cause yeah, like, so like this right here, like, well, one, gold is an investment, it's a mineral. True. So it can go up in value and it has universal trade value. True. So in the simplest term, it's like the the government is like if you're going to invest in an asset, whether it's property or whether it's jewelry, then you can write that off because you're basically saying this is a future investment for me to be able to do something with it. Um, and as far as the pendant, it has my my actual brand on there. I'm an owner of the company. I'm on the paperwork. So I'm able to say this is a costume fee or promotional fee for my company and just be able to write it off at the end of the year rather than me spending upfront cash. So. Let's say technically my my tax bill at the end of the year was thirty thousand. If I spend fifteen thousand on this chain, I only got to spend, only got to pay fifteen thousand of that back to the government, mm-hmm. and the other fifteen thousand goes down as a write off through jewelry, costume expense, all that. So it's like the simplest way, I guess you could say it. And most people who are buying jewelry don't do, don't write their shit off. No, they don't and they, write it and off. They, can. they don't appraise it. They don't do nothing. You feel me? All that shit is tax deferable. So. Just really understanding how to like move around that type of spectrum rather than just. What are some other things like you like like obviously you know for people who don't know like obviously you know if you if you own your own LLC or or your you can write off certain meals you can write yeah. off certain things but what are meals I think I think the biggest thing for like entrepreneurs and business people you can give students college credit like we've had like two interns that we've given three to five college credits based off of a simple curriculum we built submitted it to. Did you university. have to pay them? Nah, I just so I didn't know that because I know at iHeart they had like banned interns for a while because there was some lawsuit. Yeah, so I mean within radio, but see, you know, credits cost money in college though. So if you're giving college credits, that's basically like saying you're giving X amount of money to them within an educational delivery. Oh, that's so true. it's like going to. We need I, to, we need some interns cook for sure. We got to give some some could, some credit cook. You can hop on once you get approved by like the little UC system or whatever private college. You go on Indeed and put. The shit out And then people just apply You feel me Indeed.com is a great sponsor Of the Bootleg Cap Show By the way Oh there it is Go to indeed.com Forward slash credit today And get your resume skills test Anyway go ahead There it is (laughs) Um, But yeah I I think that's the biggest one Like being able to have Extra hands Shit the shit Dom Kennedy Talk about like Most people probably think OPM is just a label Mm -hmm. That's a real business term Like I learned that In like business one on one Like my freshman year of college Like OPM That's Other people's money Yeah Using other people's money That's a literal business term Like through credit through credit lines, through loans, and just making sure, like, you're not using your own physical cash. Yeah, you're leveraging someone else's money to, Mm -hmm. you know, see, that's something that I think there's, like, depending on who you talk to, there's mixed perceptions on that. Yeah, I mean. Because there's some people who are, like, have zero debt always if you can't afford it. You know, but then there's other. They, but, but most more, more most people that I know like to leverage debt in their favor. Facts, because it's like I mean, credit is pretty much just your history of borrowing money. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, the bigger shit you want to buy is the bigger record of shit you have to have on your record of actually borrowing and paying it back. Mm-hmm. Even if you can, even if you got the money out right, I'm still like I can go buy a MacBook right now. I just bought a brand new desktop computer, but I just 
uh, finance it just because, just so it could just come out my account and just add to my credit score to show like I'm still paying or something in a positive way. Mm. So I mean, it's it's so many like life hacks when it comes to like finances and financial literacy. I think it's just out there just to research it though. Like, yeah, I watch so many YouTube videos because like you know, uh, especially with the credit thing. Like I, I always I started telling a lot of people close to me like, yo, if you can afford to just use your credit card for everything, but you have to pay it off to zero every month yeah. or you're going to get, you know, credit card yeah, that, interest that, rates are, interest rates. they're horrible. So I'm going to give you another hack though. So if, say if you got too much money on a credit card, let's, you know, they give you like 12 to 16 months free. Mm-hmm. Or you can do a balance transfer to a brand new credit card and transfer your whole balance and get a whole another 16 months on a new credit card with that same with, balance. Without the interest rate. Without the interest rate. Wow. So, that's what most people really be doing. Like they'll open up a credit card with Union Bank, run up like ten, fifteen thousand until the year hit up, and at the end of the year, if they're not ready to pay that off, all they're doing is just switching that balance transfer over to another bank, and yeah. then they giving you another sixteen months to be like, oh, I just business. use my credit card for everything, and then I just pay it down to like two dollars every month. <laughs> no, fact, that's what I do as well because I don't even, I don't even want to go through all. Because the then, if you use your credit card and some, 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 some shit happens or. It's it's you're totally not liable for it. You know, like it's mm-hmm. if you use your debit card all the time, let's say you swipe it at the gas station and someone fucking takes your shit. Yeah. That, that's your actual money that's, that's missing. Your yeah. That's your money that's gone. And then now you got to wait for the bank to get their shit together. Mm-hmm. That happens with your credit card. You're like, oh, well, fuck it. I've yeah. canceled my card. You guys will figure that shit out. It's, right, not, it's not, not coming it's out not of my ass. My money. Yeah. It ain't you. my money. Yeah. I'm with you. But that's a great way to like just build your credit. Right. It's just. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Credit is a. Uh, I feel like not a lot of like like there's a lot of misconceptions about how people get credit. People be like, man, I gotta have my phone for for six years, bro. I'm like, that shit don't matter. That shit do not matter, bro. It it's only matters if you don't pay it. Car notes, leases, yeah. house notes, real shit. You gotta finance credit cards. You. Everyone should get a credit card. And then another for thing sure. you can do is you can add like if you have kids, you can add your children as an authorized user on your credit card right. to start building their credit. So my mom got me right. Yeah, my mom taught me all this shit. So it was like definitely early on, she was on my ass about credit card utilization, all that type of stuff. Um, so forgive me for not knowing this often. I know you guys just re- there was a press release that just came out recently yeah. about what, what what you guys are doing next. Yeah, educators. We, we did an admin deal. Um, the it was publishing. a pub shit, right? Yeah, yeah. with Warner Travel, and so we pretty we did that with Ryan Press. So shout shout to Ryan. out to Ryan Press. Um, so, but then we also did one for Eagle as well. So we got a joint venture at Red Bull with Eagle. Um, with Eagle. So we just did the same thing to co-publishing with Blast and with Eagle as well. Because we got an artist signed to us as well. So Who's the artist? Jay Million. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he's been working with us for a minute. Um, but, you know, he falls under that whole Eagle bracket. He's a producer. Do a lot of stuff. You, you'll hear his tag. He did half the six tape too. Um, the... Um Pub thing is interesting too because it's also another avenue in which people have uh, traditionally gotten over on creatives, right? You think about the uh, MDRC shit, um, which is, I guess, kind of out now. I've mm-hmm. heard like it's very, very frowned upon if like a, a pub company offers you that because it's very predatory. Yeah, it's super predatory. I mean, I'm sure they're still in this day. And well, age, I'm saying bro. I'm sure people are still signing those for sure. But like we think of like what Hit Boy was talking about recently, you yeah. know, and Hit Boy was in a really bad situation. Um, so, I mean, obviously you guys took your time with getting a pub situation cause yeah, for sure. I mean, it just like, like I said, like we did so much with in the merchandising space early on. Oh, I know I've, I've bought a bunch of shit. So yeah, bro, I'm t- 
I think we probably made like a good twenty, thirty thousand off just the first two, three week sales of No Love Lost merchandise oh, when yeah. we dropped our project. So it was like we was doing so much in the space of merchandise and then these Red Bull activations and then actually him like walkthrough money was so crazy this year just because it was like we were on the level. We was in a perfect situation to where he wasn't too big to do a small club mm-hmm. and do a walkthrough there, but at the same time, like he wasn't too small to not do some premiere shit in LA too, though. Mm-hmm. So, just from those two spectrums, and we was actually like managing the money properly. It was just like we could really take our time, see what this shit actually mean. Our lawyer he teaches music publishing, so that's like his class at Drexel University. So that's like his specialty with all of it. So he was just taking his time with actually. Getting relationships with these right people and actually building seeing, leverage at the same time. Hell yeah, seeing who can actually come through though, like mm-hmm. seeing who can really deliver on what they was talking about. So we've been going through this process for like a year and some change. Yeah, what? Explain to me. Um, for I know why, but people might not understand when you guys announced the initial tour run. Mm-hmm. Blast probably could have done like the Hollywood Bowl. Yeah, for but sure. you guys did the Roxy, which. Was dope because you guys did two nights. Yeah. Um, but from the outside looking in, people might be like, "Why the fuck is Blast doing the Roxy? Like, he's the biggest right. artist in the in the city. He's the biggest artist in the state. You know what I mean? Like, yeah." So, kind of explain why artists do that because that's it. the same thing happened um, when Roddy went on his first tour, um, like his first big tour, obviously. But like, he was doing venues that like most people would be like, "Yeah, well, the shit sold out in twenty four hours. Like, he could have right. did." This or but but there's a reason why. Like. Yeah, I mean, so everything matter. Like when it come down to ticket sales, like ticket sales is damn near like your your good name in the streets. You know what mm. I'm saying? When it come to booking festivals, artists are getting the ticket that they getting on festivals because what they doing in their independent show ticket sales. Mm. So we already understood with Blast going into festival season. Um, also with him, that's his first tour ever. So him having a game stage presence. We actually let Allison and hired her internally as a tour manager. She's mm. a first-time tour manager. So we were thinking about scaling the business before anything. You right. know what I mean? Like, we understand we got to scale the business properly to what Blast talent is. Right. Even though he could have played bigger shows, right. us as a company may not have been suitable enough just to have the right operations, you know what I'm saying, to, to maneuver throughout these places on tour, deal with that many people, fulfill that much merch and all that type of stuff. So... We just wanted to give ourselves a sample size, one. And then, two, it was a part of tradition. Like, Blast had never played the Roxy before. So it was like he wanted to play the Roxy still. Like, he's, like on New Year's, he still wanted to play the Novo, even we, even though we can do bigger shows than the Novo. Of course. And so on and so forth in different cities. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. It's like like uh, he's blown up so fast, but he hasn't. Like you said, it's like you don't want to skip the, like, everyone has their, hey, yo, I did the Roxy. I did the Novo. Mm-hmm. And it's like, just because he might be past that, it's like, you still got to kind of... You got to honor it. Some you know, legacy shit. Yeah, you got to honor that. And it's like, on some LA shit, like, if you would have skipped the Roxy and said he never did a Roxy show, like, how would that be in your biopic down the line? Mm-hmm. You feel me? Like, that's something that you want to highlight because that's really... To have that whole block line down the line, that's like something to talk about whether it did sell out in two seconds or not. Yeah, no, for sure. We know we're not going back to the Roxy now, though. <laughs> it's, a, it's a sweat box. For sure. Every, For sure. Every, I've been to the Roxy so much. And every time I go, I'm like, it's going to be so hot in that bitch, man. It's going to be so sweaty. In that yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Go to that rainbow spot next door or whatever. Isn't that what it's called? The, ra- the restaurant next door that, uh, 
Yeah, all the little kebabs and shit like that. Yeah, all the like uh, Motley. That's where one of the dudes from Motley Crew overdosed next door at that. Really? Yeah. Oh shit! I didn't know that. It's fun. Yeah, in that Netflix movie that MGK's in. Yeah. Yeah. I was, oh, that's. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. That's kind of nuts. Yeah, I went to. I saw the baby there, and next, I took my wife to eat there, and then uh, Ron Jeremy was in the booth next to us, and <laughs> I was like, "Yo, that's Ron Jeremy," and I told yeah. my wife who Ron Jeremy was. Yeah. And she she was like, why do you know what the dude's names are? What's wrong with you? I'm like, but you don't understand. He's like a legend. Like, yeah, that, he's yeah. Ron Jeremy. Like, I, I can see her perspective. He's on also it, a fucking it, a rapist who's in prison right now. He is? Oh, yeah. They, like, hit him with, like, a, like I don't know, a, a, a solid amount of, like. When did this happen? Like, in the last 12 months. I've been under a rock for sure. For sure. I mean, yeah. I mean yeah. I've been moving around. I also do radio, sure. so like, you know, we look at all every yeah, day we yeah, gotta yeah. do our fucking show prep. And okay, okay. Every random story that pops up we have to at talk least acknowledge. About. Okay, I got you. I got you. Wait, hold on. Time to stop the interview because we gotta talk about our good folks at Odd Socks. Man, listen, if you go to oddsocksofficial.com, that's O D D S O X official.com, use the keyword. Keyword, it's a fucking promo code. Use the fucking promo code. Bootleg Kev. All right. At checkout, you'll save 20% off. They got, man, look at these SpongeBob joints. Man, the Ninja Turtle boys. You know what I'm saying? How about the Naruto guys? And then they got the new Odd Socks basics that are just like, they're just so fly, man. The tie-dye joints. They Just listen, man. Whatever you need, they got it. How about some half-baked boys? You know what I'm saying? Listen. The most comfortable socks, the most affordable socks, the best socks in the world. Odd socks. So go to oddsocksofficial.com. Use that keyword. It's not a keyword. It's a fucking promo code. Fuck. Bootleg Kev at checkout. Save 20% off, man. Shout out to our family at Odd Socks. If you support us, go support them. Has it been like, um, you know, for you on some executive shit, like like you said, like you've, you know, you, you mentioned uh, some of the other LA um, imprints, whether it's... Uh, Nip or Dom or TDE, um, it it feels like you guys are are really with Eagle. It just feels it just feels fresh. It feels like you know, it feels different than anything we've seen coming out of LA. Yeah, I mean, so I think one thing, big thing to note is like also Blast is different than anything we've seen. Coming yeah, out that's, of LA. that's what I was gonna say. Like Blast isn't gangbang, so it's like it really doesn't come with any type of affiliation. You know what I mean? It's really just kind of like the organic team that we built internally. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like Blast may do your gutter for Hitter J5. Isn't Hitter J5, right? I think. Hitter J3? Hitter J3. Mm-hmm. He made that and like Kendrick YG Problem. All them was on that in like 2013 mm-hmm. type shit, you know? But so Blast have, has worked with probably every single artist from, uh, at least a artist from every single hood from Compton to LA, whether it be making them graphic design. Doing they mixing, doing they engineering, they beat. So I think people just respect like the organic build from Blast and understand like he always just played his lane and never tried to jump in nothing else. Um, And yeah, bro, it's just like we coming from a standpoint to where we not going into it, doing a deal with a major right away. Like we took a a real left field approach, but the left field approach was a gamble, but it worked. worked. You feel me? So. Got t- I mean, I'd say, I'd say this, like, this the thing is, like, what's dope about Blast is, like, there's no, it's one of the few cases in music where it's really all about how good the music is. Because Blast yeah. is, is a very mellow dude. I would say he might be an introvert. Like, you Definitely know, he's, he's very chill. Like, there's no, like, 
Doesn't smoke weed. There's no, yeah, he doesn't smoke weed. He doesn't like, he's not wrapped up in no bullshit. There's no Instagram antics. It's just like, mm-hmm. it's all about the music and the branding. And like, I feel like for you that, I mean, especially coming out of LA, we see so much where the politics of LA get involved yeah. in. Yeah. I mean, it's politics everywhere. You feel me? Like, you got to deal with them when you got to deal with them. But <clears throat> for the most part, I feel like everybody on our team, including myself and Blast, and even shit, the security, even the engineers, videographers, everybody just, we have mutual respect from our peers just because, again, none of us are even involved in the streets. Like, we all didn't grew up in South Central L.A. Mm-hmm. But, again, we've always played our perspective lanes, whatever that was. And then now we in this position. I think people just respect how we move and how we get around and how we really not in nobody else's business but ours. Um, what What is, is the long-term goal to, to kind of ride out with Red Bull and just, you know? I mean, right now, I mean, like I said, we got the JV with them. We just did that. So, mm-hmm. of course, building out through through Red Bull, seeing the other things they have to offer. Because, again, mind you, we've done all this not in the office with Red Bull during the pandemic. Yeah, all of this has happened during the pandemic. All, so, we've only had two meetings with Red Bull in the Red Bull office. The one was to actually have the meeting about if we wanted to do the deal, right. which was in 2019. And the other one was just this past month when we did a 2022 planning meeting so that's the first time we met all the new hires all the new people right. that we've only been seeing it's on only zoom. on zoom yeah right so just like actually being able to be in a physical or red bull now i feel like that's gonna take it up either another notch right like we're going to miami in may to do the f1 event like red bull team they pit team and then they actual racer just won both events so they're building a whole track around the Miami Dolphin Stadium. Oh, no, that F1 shit is serious. It's ridiculous, right? It's like it's almost like, you know, we live here in the States and we don't understand. Like, I mean, some some people understand how big soccer is. Soccer is, like, I guess, a little bit different because, you know, if you grew up around Latinos, you understand soccer is a fucking mm-hmm. a thing. But, like, F1 racing, no one, I don't know what the, like, I didn't yeah. realize how big of a deal it is. Right, Netflix shows. Is, right, yeah. blew everybody's mind. But, I mean, you know, just even shit like that. We're going to have so many opportunities to to cross-promote what Blast brand is and integrate that into a whole different culture that has nothing really to do with hip-hop at all. No, it's amazing. But I feel like F1 is damn near like the race the race cars of hip-hop, though. It's like the, the hip-hop NASCAR. At this <laughs> What's point. the name of the um the guy who uh, is like the guy in the F1? Mercedes-Benz, dude. Yeah, I forget his name. He just, he just lost to the Red Bull, too. <laughs> but he's won like 10 years straight, yeah. though, so he's like him, him. Like, he's the person in this world. I can't remember his name. I just think of... Um, Borat, Sasha Barrett Cohen playing the F1 racer who joined NASCAR and raced Ricky Bobby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Talladega Nights. Nights. That's funny. <laughs> Ricky Bobby. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So, I mean, you know, just kind of dive, trying to dive in more to what Red Bull has to offer just from a brand standpoint. Um, being like in blast position and being such a staple in L.A. hip hop for a long time that maybe wasn't, you know, like I said, he was kind of you know, LA's best kept secret for a long time. I can only imagine, um, does it, have you guys ran into old blast shit? People trying to put it out like, Hey, yo, we did this in sure, 2016. Yeah. That's every week. So how do you deal with that? Do you like, Bro. let, do you let, let shit fly? Or do you say, Hey, look, Hell man, it's, no, times are different like, now. Nah. I mean, me, I think the whole point of having a manager in the first place is so, as an artist, you don't have to have those awkward conversations. Like, sometimes if you got a personal relationship with the person, mm-hmm. then, yeah, you're going to have to have that conversation on your own sometimes because they're going to come directly to you because they probably got your number or be in right, mutual right, right, spaces. Right. But for the most part, it's me having a conversation. It's like, 
it ain't my music, and it's like it's not it's not like it's disrespect. It's just more so like what we doing with the culture that we build in the timeline that we just own. doesn't line up. Yeah, it just don't line up. It got. I, I say all business has to be mutually beneficial. I've had uh, at least once or twice someone play me blast records in the studio here that like are old. Yeah, They're like yeah, you know we've just been holding this, and I'm like, yeah, good luck. Yeah, it's never coming out because black. I mean, you know, as all like super peculiar artists are, they like I don't sound like that no more. So, oh, hundred percent. Every artist is like that, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's so crazy because you be like, but this shit is fire, and like that shit happens with my artists all the time. We'll have, we'll have a song that we love, and it's like a year old, and but man, that shit is old, and it's like, but it's fire, like just like you held on to it too long. Yeah, you know what I'm saying so. Yeah, we we get that every day. I just I had that conversation yesterday with somebody. No, he's definitely. Um, I feel like shaping up to kind of being. Um, the like you know he was on Ross's album. He's on Nas's album. I mean he's been on so many people's. But it feels like some real Nate Dog. You know, kind of filling that gap of being like the 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 hook guy. Now and by, and by the way, with having ama- amazing solo records that yeah. are number ones. Um, <laughs> Simultaneously in two formats, which I don't mm-hmm. think Nate Dog ever did with his solo records. God bless him. But, um, but yeah, like like you guys feel that too. Like you, I mean, I feel like everyone's I mean, I, probably yeah, banging a lot your of line. Be saying that for sure, for sure. And then I mean, yeah, the hooks all the time. Like, I think Blast's voice is just super unique, like in the R and B space, because it's not like he like singing his heart out like a chase. No, it's just so it's yeah. so it's so easy to he, like. Yeah, yeah, it's like rap singing. Yeah, you know. So, but I mean, he could take it there if he want to. So I think like the Ross record, mm-hmm. like I don't think nobody really. Ever heard Blast come off like that on the hook, like right out the gate, right, right, in right. a minute at least, compared to his old shit. But even now, it's like shit. People want that sauce and they want that organic West Coast feel without having to feel like they being super cliche. And like, okay, yeah, let me tap in with Blast, see what he got going, just to make sure that we not, you know, what I'm saying, skipping over something that could be a good long term relationship. Um, what's something you, you you talked about being around Dame earlier? What was something you learned about being around Dame Dash? Because we spent one night with him in the. I mean, man, the guy was just yeah profusely I mean, just spewing jewels the whole time. Yeah, I mean, at the time, I was like, so I was like 20. I was fresh out of college, so that's 2015. It's like six years oh, ago. Oh, yeah, that was a while ago. So I was 23 years old. Um, I mean, it just learned, like, don't take it personal. Like, you feel me? Like, the first day I walked in the office about the internship, he asked me, like, who the fuck are you? Mm. Like, why are you in here? And I was just like, well, shit, it's either I'm going to get upset or I'm about to start talking and tell these niggas what I do. Mm-hmm. So I got to talking, you feel me? But I think just understanding, like, again, personality types, understanding, like, how to work with certain artists. Because by the time I got to working with Blast, Blast, like, I walk in the park dealing with Dame or just sitting in meetings and taking notes and being, like, a minute taker on meetings with Dame mm-hmm. and shit like that. Um, being a fly on the wall, like, all that type of stuff. I think it just helped me move into the space of, like, I don't really get too imbalanced if people be out of their mind or, you know what I'm saying, or really feel like they coming off disrespectful. Because most of the time, it just be people delivery at the end of the day. And if you take this shit personal, it's like, I'm not taking this shit home with me. This is basically work. <laughs> for real, for real. Mm. So Yeah, I think that's uh, something that people need to learn how to do better is just like... <clears throat> A lot of people take a, a broad stroke approach to how they deal with people. Like, they just deal with people all the same way. But if you know certain people are certain ways, you got to kind of... I think that's just a good a good um, yeah. attribute of, of a leader. You, you know, not everyone's going to take 
the same approach to the same person because everyone's got different ways they react and for sure you you watch uh did you watch game of thrones when i was on of course so like i tell people like people be asking me about that same type of question i'm like you got to just treat it like Arya and the mini face guy like Mm. every room you walk in you just got to become a different person sometimes you may be in a student position Yeah that mini face dude Yeah it's like You know I'm, I am nobody for real So mm-hmm. it's like That's the approach You gotta take Like Yeah I'm, I am who I am But at the end of the day If I walk in a room With Benny Boone I'm sitting on the couch In the corner And just really Soaking the Soaking in the game Or taking whatever Order it is That they hear to deliver to me But when I'm walking In a room with the Eagle staff I'm the person Delivering that message You know what I'm saying But it's Taking out the ego To understand the difference Between those phases though what is something um, from your experience so far, up and coming artists? We talked earlier about how sometimes uh, we talked about that the video behind Blast would cost fifteen grand, right? That's right. which is a lot, right? That's that's crazy. But what are some things that you see artists wasting money on, or maybe getting taken advantage of? That you know, whether it's video production, whether it's you know. I it annoys me when I have homies that are up and coming artists and they're like, hey, this guy hit me saying he could get me on Complex and all these blogs. You think I should do it? And I'm like, fuck no, no. Like, but what are some of those things that you know, you you kind of think artists could save some money on or that you see them getting took took on a little? You know, I see it happening a lot. So, so I think one music videos, right? Like. Some artists think that they got to go pay a bag to a director and that just because they got a bunch of bread in the video and, like, a bunch of females in the video, it's going to go right when it's, like, you can really do the opposite. Like I said, like, touch down on these college campuses and realize, like, there's a whole film department of a bunch of kids that need work. And it's probably some out there that's actually going to be the next who's who to be able to tap in with them and get on that type of level because it's all about recruiting from the ground source. So I feel like <clears throat> in, the, in the digital digital media space, photography and videography, like a lot of videographers get over <laughs> on artists just because they don't understand like the one, two step process with the differences and having a, a steady cam and the difference between having a handheld camera, like the price difference between all that type of stuff. Um, I also think PR damn near be jipping sometimes too. Cause it's like, explain that because you could have that, that background and like, yeah, like public relations is pretty much like one people need to understand that PR they're pitching your story to people. They can't, they can't guarantee, guarantee anything. anything. You can't yes. guarantee In the nothing. same way, no label can guarantee you to be on Rap right. Caviar. Right. Nobody can guarantee it. All they can do is put you in front of the people, and hopefully the, the person who is pitching you has a good enough relationship to where mm-hmm. they're going to accept. So that's what that is. Like, right? Like, it's not, it don't matter about if you pay 5000 to the PR. You may get three fucking pickups. It's about the product that's on there. So I be telling people all the time, like, you don't need a PR if you do not have the demand for PR right now. Like, I understand you want to service your music out there, but that's what you got. Google AdWords, Facebook marketing, Sprizzy. You got all that type of stuff to be able to do back-end marketing for people to to actually get to be able to see it. Because most of the times, motherfuckers not reading articles no way. Yeah, I think <laughs> that the most, like, overrated shit is, like, you know, back in the day, your life might get changed if you ended up on... Uh, complex or two dope boys or whatever blog right but like hip-hop yeah whatever it is right but nowadays it's like we're not even consuming like media that way anymore like unfortunately you know obviously those sites are still very you know they 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 produce dope content they do dope things but like 
you know, there used to be a time when if you got one of those looks, it would matter. Yeah, but I'm, it I would move the, the needle, but it doesn't move the needle anymore. It and doesn't it, because streaming platforms took they pretty much their essence away. Because if first, you take if you take five grand and give it to a PR person to get on these websites, it's like you might as well you should have taken that five grand and shot five videos. Yeah, for well, sure. I, me personally, I look at PR as like just momentum pushes. I don't even think them articles really be that important. But what it's I a do perspective think it is thing. is. Yeah, it's for your consumer to see, like, oh, oh he looks like he bubbling up right now. Right. Oh, he got a double XL. It's like re- reaffirmation, yeah. Yeah, just a bomb to drop just to be, like, keep your momentum going in, but to keep the, the channel noisy, mm. as they say in journalism. like to Keep the fans almost excited. Like, oh, yeah, this shit is going. Yeah, exactly. It is kind of crazy because if fans think or see certain things, it makes them want to fuck with you even more, even though that... Yeah, like I, I've noticed that, bro. It's like Sigmund Freud, the power of the subconscious. Like you play on sure. somebody mental so much, and you you present something. It's Instagram at the end of the day. Like you present one thing to them so much, they are gonna start to take that in and really like associate that with you, regardless of if you telling them that or actually like just giving them a visual of that shit. It's gonna go the way you want it to go if you if you consistent. Because nowadays, right? There's like uh, our generation now. What's it called? There's like all these IG pages that people pay yeah. to get on, right? Yeah. And like you'll see the ones you know that are like, like okay, this guy paid for that look. Facts, facts. And, mo- and, and now, it, unfortunately, with some of these pages, it's like almost most of them you could tell are like the label dropping the yeah. bag. So or, would you say Worldstar started that though? For sure. Because Worldstar pretty much started that whole business model, right? Yeah, no, like for sure. Pay for to sure. get your shit posted and then yeah. they go. But see, Worldstar used to really like damn near... I don't think people was understanding like what like Google owned YouTube and all that shit. So I don't think they understood like Worldstar was just taking a portion of your money you paid anyway and just putting it behind the ads and shit like mm-hmm. that. So that's why I was picking up so many views. But again, it's a difference between people looking at the the system from the broad perspective or looking at it from like a functionality perspective. Mm. Yeah, no, the Worldstar thing was like uh, I had some homies over there, um, so I I never really had to. You know, we had a, a, a music video we put up on on their YouTube page that they did. They just looked out for me on for free, but usually they they were charged. I mean, this is a two years ago. They were charging people eight grand just to upload their video on their channel. No, I remember. I had a couple artists I worked with like in the past, and it's like, yeah, they got twelve million subscribers. I get it, but it's like the other thing people don't understand is if a YouTube video is uploaded on any other page but your own, right, or your labels, it's not. Uh, you can't put it towards your album sales, right? Yeah, you can't monetize that towards your sales just because it's like a. Well, I don't know if it's the same now, but I know before you didn't. You yeah, like it didn't count before. towards your total sales, right? Like, so if you wanted to go number one or you wanted to go gold or whatever, like it's not registered to your what's that shit called? Your UPC code, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, and you think of like, damn, look at all that, like someone like you know, young boy who had a lot of his early shit on World Star, or just like someone like, damn, like imagine some of those. I mean, by the way, most of those songs are gold or platinum anyway, but yeah. But so many yeah. people probably could have gotten a plaque if they would have just. Yeah, it's crazy. But also, crazy they might not have had the had the you know if, if it wasn't on the World Star page, maybe not as many people would have discovered it. Well, so. I'm pretty sure, like you'd have a hell of conversation with artists that really just don't give a fuck to learn about none of that shit. Oh nah, yeah, most. I mean, <clears throat> I think now people are starting to get a little bit more interested in that. I feel like though the last few years, it was a lot of artists that would just come in that were just like. What is my kid doing in there? Jesus. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I feel like the I feel like recently it, it seems as if most artists are trying to be more self-aware of the business. Um, 
you know, I shout out to Russ. I think Russ has done a good job of like trying to educate people. I fuck with Russ heavy. No, Russ is dope. Um, and he be he be really giving like honestly, people really should just listen. Like Russ is not lying to y'all. Right. <laughs> like nah. he he's not saying you might not like the messenger. And by the way, Russ to me is fire as fuck. But you might yeah. you know I understand. Last album the, was hard. Oh, he was amazing. That Chomps was amazing. But but he's telling everyone the truth. You know, he's like, what he's saying is like, yo, if Drake or Kendrick or one of these guys decided to go in, if Drake went independent, it'd break, it'd break the record game. Yeah, for sure. Because it would like fully pull the mask off. And so I think that's what's dope about what you guys are doing, because you guys easily could have signed with anyone. Like, I know this, you know, yeah. so like, you know, uh, to, to, to do the Red Bull approach is like. It's funny, too, because I don't think everybody was like. Like, you know, people were trying to throw, like, little jabs oh, and shit I, like that. Oh, I, dude, me and, when me and Head saw that shit, we were like, wow. Mm. And, you know, I just think of, was it Warm Brew that was on Red Bull? Yeah. Um, And they had another, I just was like, I just never seen it work. Because I'm not hip to, yeah. I'm not hip to the rock groups you're talking about. I just yeah. know that I've seen rappers sign to Red shit. Bull. Yeah, like, I've seen it, like, you know. I mean, bro, really to be thousand with you, like shout out to Red Bull for sure. Like, they got also, a there's great... a difference in the prod, pro, product. Exactly. No disrespect to Warm Brew, but exactly. you guys are like generational talents. Uh, like, when I, I, you can, whoever you run across at Red Bull ever, mm -hmm. like, you can ask them just to fact check it. Like, the first meeting we ever had with Red Bull, we was like, we want to own all the ancillary income, the all the masters. We're not doing the publishing deal with you, and we only doing a one off for a short license. And they was like, what? And then we came back to the second meeting with like a manila envelope with all the numbers and shit from DistroKid and all the products. And then we broke down the whole staff for the flow chart. And it was like, oh shit, like y'all really operate as a real company. And I think that's the biggest, biggest difference. The fact that we were able to show <clears throat> and actually communicate what our business vision was, how we seen the whole year going, and mm. then have the music attached to it on top of that. And nobody's going into those meetings that way. Well, not most people aren't. No, nah, I would say like 95% most of the time it's like, you know, you go to a meeting, they get a little spill, I do this, I do this, and it's like So this song, this song, what the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so majority of the time it's just me and Blast going into these meetings because our attorney in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. So it's like me and him walking in, I'm damn near wearing basketball shorts to these meetings and Blast in a damn dicky suit or something like that. And they talking to us like we just a natural rapper. And then once we get to actually having a conversation and telling them like what we want and the breakdowns of all this type of shit. Like everybody jaw just be dropped And they be like Aha Like At one of these labels We went They literally stopped us Mid conversation Was like Bro this is above my pay grade Like we could just end this meeting I can't even Have conversations About this type of shit That's so crazy so You guys do you, Would you say you pretty much Had meetings with most of the majors I don't know what major We haven't met with Yeah we met with every major Every single one Damn I'm trying to think yeah. Was there a situation that was a close <clears throat> second as far as what you guys were considering? Uh, I mean, I think when we, after we finished that one off portion, we were considering everything, you know, like we knew we were at a different place in negotiations to go negotiate with a major just because we knew they couldn't give us anything less than Red Bull had already given us on paper. So we was like, all right, that precedent is already set. So we know at the minimum, if our mind not made up, we can go do another one off in another place, match that same deal, and see what come from that. But um, we got some great relationships with some other people at different labels, but it ain't never go that far to where we was like biting nails, like fuck, what do we do? That's and fair. We didn't get that far. What is uh what, what obviously? 
big New Year's show. So, so that thing sold out. Day of? Sold out in two and a half minutes. That shit's crazy. Yeah. Two and a half minutes. Um, sure. Obviously, we're waiting for the official Blast album. Yeah. Going to get it next year? Uh, I know Blast is going to drop. Probably something in between his next album. So That's another, just, yeah, another, another, like another EP. something. Yeah, probably like another small EP. Definitely, you know, music is still just ramping up. Uh, I mean, Blast got so much music, bro. Like, I got a note on my phone with like seventy five songs in it. So it's like you make music every day, you record at home every day. So it's like it's never ending. Mm. Um, but any more collab projects? Uh, I mean, I don't. I don't know. Well, we don't have nothing on the calendar for the collab projects, but I also think that I don't really think anybody else will be able to capture like the chemistry like him and Bino got. Mm. And that's not even saying like it's not much larger artists that, you know what I'm saying, that are in Bino's category, like in different parts of the country and stuff. But just the organic build that it was and the time that we were both in, like Nip had just passed away. Mm -hmm. Blast was just producing for for Bino, and Bino didn't even know Blast was an artist. Right. So it was like through all of that, that's how that shit just built so naturally, and the sound of it built naturally. But I can't see that being replicated. To be honest with you, what? Let me ask you this because there were some records on Six Tape Two, Pop Out being one of them. Like where I was like, "Yo, this song. Why is? I, I'll tell you how uh, what I heard from the Def Jam side." Mm-hmm. So essentially, like, yo, why the fuck ain't y'all activating pop out at radio or whatever? And they'd be like, we can't because it's blast side on their side. It's they're not clearing that side, you know, mm-hmm. like because I felt like that was like low key, just a whole entire project of records that could have went. I mean, and they did go crazy, but I mean, in terms mm-hmm. of like budgets, radio pushes, whatever. Like, yeah, I think that. Uh, I mean, I think. Uh, on that side, I don't think that really was, like, low-hanging fruit for, like, us, like, for Eagle. I think that's more so having to do with, like, probably radio politics. Because, you know, they was doing work and chosen. Oh, at you the got, same time. Right. So, you, you, as you know, you got whole radio And then Warner teams. Brothers was working Shorty Shorty. The, uh, right. The and so, record. like, with... When it come down to, like, these radio teams, what I'm... And this is my first year working with radio teams, but... They get hella feisty and like possessive over their shit too. So it's like a lot of that stuff don't even be making it back to us of having conversation about taking some shit to radio mm. or like just activating behind certain stuff. But even on top of it, I think that both of them just were um, Bino was in his process with Day Camp and then where Blast was at, like coming to, we were still trying to renegotiate the Red Bull situation. It just wasn't on either side. I don't think it was like available for us to just right. be like full blown out. Let's go crazy because it was so much gray area in between like both sides and an individual business or what that was makes going. sense. Makes sense. So from what I know, I just thought that I thought that we could, yeah, we got three videos to show. It was a great fucking project. Yeah, we did the premiere. Did you come to the movie shit? I did not. I okay. did not. No. We did the documentary premiere. Shot the documentary. All that type of stuff. But definitely, I feel like it's probably some music on there that you know if the, if more of the world heard it. Probably would have went crazier, but well, there it is, man. Uh, anything like obviously, you guys have been dropping so much merch. I feel like you guys drop merch often. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. It feels like you know, yeah. I mean, everything's. Are you? Are, is it? Is this something that Blast has direct, his hands directly on the designs, or so Blast does all the designs and for I'm the a, merch? Yeah, all of them. Yeah, so all the tour merch. It's probably one design on the tour merch. You got like this little bobblehead. I think he didn't do. Um, but everything else, as far as like the the sheesh button, right? Um, all the different logos and shit, that's all blast. 
So he's doing his design part, and I do the actual manufacturing, getting it distributed, sourcing fabrics, all that type of stuff. So, so that's uh, where can people go? Uh, what's the website for the official? Um, you can go on blast.com. Okay. Yep, go on blast.com. Find all the products there: sheesh buttons, t-shirts, hoodies, all that. There's a lot. And then the artist you were telling us about, who's on Eagle. When are we gonna get some solo music? Man, well, I mean, he produced the uh, he produced Go to War with Blast and Snoop. Mm-hmm. And then he produced Pop Out, one of them ones, a bunch of stuff. So right now he's just really getting his production back so heavy. It damn near seemed like he's taking that same type of path. But he's only 20 years old, though. Oh, so well, yeah. It's like, you know, he's still working through growing pains and understanding. Like I said, music math. Like He's making money doing all these productions, but I really hold him accountable to understand, like, how you need to distribute this, how much you're about to have to pay through taxes. All the shit we talked about today mm-hmm. is, like, my constant conversations with him. The last thing um, – I thought it was, I mean, obviously, XXL has habitually left West Coast shit off of their list mm-hmm. um, th- throughout the years. You know, they're obviously, I mean, it's, as most media is East Coast biased, but um, it was great to see Blast on the cover. Yeah. Um, was that like, was that something that you guys just expected to happen or? Yeah, I mean, we knew had a long, even before the little whole publicity stunt, like, oh, go vote. Mm-hmm. We already knew Blast was on the cover. Yeah. So. I mean, even through all that type of stuff, I think that, um, like what you said earlier, like the music just spoke for itself. Like when we did yeah. those interviews, it'd be ridiculous. The for music, they were just like, "What the fuck? Like, where does this keep coming from?" You know, for sure. And I also feel like, you know, we live in LA, so we're in a very like biased consumer market for the shit that we think should be on the mm-hmm. freshman cover. <laughs> Absolutely. But I also have lived. I've lived in Florida when YG dropped my crazy life and YG came to Florida and sold like 30 tickets. Like it was crazy because in my head, I'm from Phoenix. I'm a West coast dude. And I'm thinking this is the biggest shit ever. And then I see with my own eyes. Oh yeah, it's different. So I do think like as much as like, yes, double XL has snubbed some West coast artists. I also feel like nationwide there may be like, like if we think of like, Roddy probably being the only other LA artist, like I won't say the only, right? I don't want to say that, but right. but but that's like crossing over. But that's just like undeniably, yeah, a superstar. You know, like there's artists that I've I thought should have been. What are we doing over there, Cook? Gee, shut your, Jesus fucking Christ. Um, I thought there was like you know I mean I would have loved to have seen Mozzie on the cover I would have loved to see yeah. by the way that's the artist I want to see him do a fucking project with him and Mozzie Mozzie I mean him and Mozzie got so much music shout they out got- to Mozzie shout out to Davo like them is like two of the two of the early people Mozzie's one of my favorite rappers in the world so Mozzie is a good person like I no he's the best Dave Dave's the best that would be to me outside of the Bino shit. There's so much music between Blast and Mozzie. I would agree with that, though. I that mean, that would be the most natural other thing yeah. if they did a little four or five piece yeah, for the they, streets. I think they both bring something different. They both got, like, super significant voices in the fact that Mozzie can, like, really rap, rap, and rap, flow. Rap. Like, when they did Timing Is Perfect, I really went and sat in the corner for, like, three minutes and wrote on a piece of paper and was like, fuck this paper. Let me go to the studio real quick and laid the whole shit. And I was like, whoa. Because I'm not used to people being able to record as fast as Blast. So seeing that, them going yeah, back no, and forth. crazy, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you yeah, know, nah. shout out to Devo. I, that, I think I that would be the only, I think to me when I think of like a, like when I was talking earlier, I was like, yo, Mozzie to me would be the most natural. Like if Blast ever did another EP with someone. Yeah. 
Nah, Mozzie one of my favorite rappers, so I can respect that. That'd be crazy. And they got so there's something about their chemistry they never miss. Yeah, hey, I'm telling you, uh, definitely probably gonna get some more music out of them for sure, for sure. And then just on the like do it yourself uh, agenda, him and Russ doing something would be crazy. I mean, I know they've they've done they've yeah, done they records got more together. Music. I know, they yeah, got and more I, music. I'm just saying in terms of like you know that'd be kind of crazy for them to do something. Yeah, I mean, shit, bro, Russ, bro, Russ brought us to his house, all type of shit, and showed us his whole process, how he really be creating all that type of stuff. And Blast is definitely very intrigued. So, what mic does Blast use when he records himself at home? I definitely don't know that. You know, it's crazy because I think when Blast was, I, I was talking to Blast and he was telling me like the interface he uses, like, and it's like the most like go to Guitar Center. Yeah, I'm actually about to go to Guitar Center and spend like six hundred dollars right or something, and like you, you can have the setup Blast cuts his ideas at home on. Yeah, I got the inner. He just texts me the interface. Was like he picked me up one of them at the end. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> there it is, man. Well, I appreciate you pulling up, bro. Thank you. For there having it me. is, man. Go follow him, Victor Ruler. Mm-hmm. Uh, new shit coming in the new year from from the Eagle team. Yes, sir. Boom. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, hosted by MC8 and Big Steel. It's every Thursday, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one.